Hi, and welcome to Meet My Followers, episode number 58 for April 14th, 2011. I'm your host, Kate Dworkin, and this is the podcast where I interview my actual Twitter followers. Today's guest is Greg Hartle, at Greg Hartle. This week's episode is brought to you by Interactly. Interactly takes the guesswork out of mastermind group creation. You can get paired up with entrepreneurs, office folks, CEOs, whoever you need in order to benefit you and your career. We can hook you up with them. So head on over to interact.ly to get started today. I am extremely excited tonight for my guest. His name is Greg Hartle. Greg, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Kate. I'm uh, glad to be here. That was a quick quick response on Twitter and next thing you know I'm on your show yeah awesome you know, it's, it's one of those things where I you know I was taking a couple of weeks off you know I, I, I stated that on the blog I didn't really make a big podcast episode out of it but it was one of those things where I was looking for the right kinds of people to interview and you know you said that you were missing the shows and so I was like well would you like to be on and less than 24 <laughs> hours later here we are recording that's pretty cool so you know thank you for first and foremost for making the time but that doesn't help the listeners of the show. So talk to, uh, you know, give us a little bit of background on you. Give us a little bit of who Greg is, because I know you've got a great story. Well, boy, that's, and that's, you know, I'm a little bit of everything. But, you know, when people ask me, what do you do? I like to describe myself as an experimenter. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people my favorite thing to do is whatever I haven't done yet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just like to explore. I'm really curious. I like to explore. I'm a longtime entrepreneur. Um, well, long time, I guess is always relative, but about 11 years now I've been an entrepreneur, started my first business when I was 22 and have been in business ever since. And, um, in between I've also taken jobs, everything from, you know, fortune 500 companies to small mom and pops and everything in between. But, um, I've just always had that entrepreneurial, I guess, spirit Mm -hmm. and, uh, very much like to explore in all areas, not just business, but in all areas of life. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had my, my definite ups and downs along this 11 year path, everything I've kind of experienced everything in business and finance Mm -hmm. and, um, along the way, even, um, you know, I, I reached a point early on where I was very quote unquote successful, according to most American standards. You know, I had, uh, you know, a very successful business. I, drove a nice car, lived in a nice house, had every gadget you could think of and, and really lived a great life. And was, it was incredibly invo- involved in a lot of sports and incredibly fit and um, everything was great. And then all of a sudden one day I woke up and I was diagnosed with a life-threatening kidney illness and um, literally um, w- went to the doctor. From there, they sent me to a, a kidney specialist. And from there, he sent me um, he said, I have an ambulance out front for you. You have serious kidney problems. I need you to go to the hospital. So it was literally like I woke up one day and uh, everything changed. Went to the hospital and found out I had 12% kidney function. And um, the doctors said at the rate at which my kidneys were deteriorating, I had uh, about six months to live if something drastically didn't change. Wow. And as you can imagine, that completely – and I was 25 at the time. That completely – changed the entire scope of my life. Um, and, and over the course of the next eight months, I, um, well, over the next three months, they put me on all kinds of experimental drugs, um, to see if they could slow down the, the uh, progression of that kidney disease, which they couldn't. 
And at that point, I was down to 9% kidney function, and they said pretty much your only option is to get a transplant. Mm-hmm. And um, over the next three months from that, you know, I was on dialysis, you know, three times a week, four hours a day, hooked up to machines basically to keep me alive. I was at that point sleeping 18 hours a day. My business suffered dramatically. I'm sure. Uh, you know, and so did every other area of my life at that point where I, I really – it, it's really interesting when you go through something like that because your whole focus becomes how are you going to survive that survive. day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and everything else just kind of becomes irrelevant. And that's exactly what happened. And thankfully, um, I was fortunate that my mother was a perfect kidney match and she donated her kidney to me um, a few months later. And ever since then, we've both been very healthy and I've rebounded in pretty dramatic ways and have – gone on to start, be involved with, invest in many different businesses, everything from organic dairies to retail stores to big multi-use real estate projects, you name it. And I've been very fortunate to get back involved in business, but also my health, you know. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, right? I mean, you know, without your mom stepping in and being the amazing woman that she is, you would not be here today to have this interview or have the success that you've since had, which is no. just, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's an inflection point for a lot of people. Yeah. And you know, I mean, she's given me the gift of life twice, which yeah. is pretty incredible. And, um, you know, I had lived a great life up to that point. No doubt. But it seems but that my, way from the outside looking in, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, you know, I really enjoyed my life. I was doing everything I wanted to do and I was going places I wanted to go and I had lots of friends and doing cool stuff. But but I also, um, you know, didn't have a real good perspective on life, I don't think. You know, when you're young and you're in your early 20s and you're doing well, you, you yep. kind of – you know, you're doing a lot of cool stuff, but, but obviously going through something like that gave me a whole different perspective on how I can contribute to the world and obviously what's, what's most valuable or most, uh, important to me from there. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting though, that, that you've, you know, from what I can gather about you, right. And you're not somebody who I'm incredibly close with, and I'm completely willing to admit that that's stated. I do follow you on Twitter. I think that you're an interesting follow to have. Um, and, and so, you know, you've, you've, bounce back in business in a very creative way. I mean, you know, I know that you started recently a project called $10 and a laptop. Yeah. And, and so I would love to give some, a little bit of color around what that project is and kind of why this is as interesting as it seems to be. Well, yeah. So, you know, in the last five years or so, I've, I've done a lot of things in business. I mean, everything, you know, big, big time stuff, you know, big deals invested in a lot of things. And, and yet, you know, when I look at, I really think in, in 2008, we had a fundamental shift that I don't think most people are recognizing how epic it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm, and I, and since then I've started to do a lot of research and I took some time off in 2008 from the business world. And, um, I took, I took a break and in all of 2010, I took the entire year of 2010 off, um, and did mostly just hiking. Um, and, and in doing that, I really became crystal clear about where I see this major gap between where we used to be pre 2008 and where we're at today and where we're headed. And so $10 in a laptop, you know, the easiest way I can define it is to say it's a raw experiment in what I call conscious capitalism. Mm -hmm. And the real purpose is to inspire capitalists to inspire other capitalists, but do so, um, 
in a conscious way and in a mindful commerce way and and to really do it from a raw standpoint and what i mean by that is is that i think that a lot of our business leaders that we learn from um have already achieved success when we learn from them which makes sense mm-hmm. except i see i see two challenges with that number 1 i see multiple challenges but you know one is is a lot of times they're unrelatable you look at their level of success and you're not sure that can be you yep um, and you're not sure how that even applies to you or how you could ever reach that level, even though they remind you that, you know, you can do that. You mm-hmm. oftentimes think of it, it's unrelatable. The second thing is, is that while they will share their stories, it's always an after the fact rendition of how they got to where they are. Yep. Um, you know, Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos, you read yep. his book, Delivering Happiness, and you get to get it, you get an inside perspective on who he was and how he got there and all these interesting, cool things, but you don't get to see any of that real time. Yeah. You don't really get a true sense of what that experience is like. You don't get that, I mean, s- the, the, the burn mark, and I'm sorry to cut you off here, but I mean, you yeah. know, that's part of the fun here is that, you know, when you sit there and you see people who are doing business in real life, right, real time. You get to see all the cuts and scrapes and bruises and and the additional stuff that, you know what, yeah, you know, hey, that business deal didn't go through, not because it was a bad business deal, but because the guy was going through a divorce on the other side of the deal. And he was so emotionally disconnected from business that he couldn't do what was right for his business. Right. And so I, I, I totally understand that, you know, yeah, looking back, they never talk about the deals that didn't get done. Or if they do, it's it's why they didn't get done because of someone's huge personal ego issue. Right. It's never Absolutely. it's never those types of things, which is really, I think, very relevant to the story, which is why I love the fact that you're doing what a lot of what, you know, are I believe you follow Jeeve as well as I do. Right. I mean, obviously, I work for Gary at the company now yep. Yep. And, 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 you know, you work transparent and you are transparent in a way that even he is not relating well, to the business stuff. That would be the other piece that I say is lacking is that we get a marketing image. Yep. No matter who is quote unquote transparent or authentic, you know, those words are thrown around ridiculous in today's mm-hmm. world. We still get their marketing image. We get their, you know, even with Gary Vee, I mean, yep. you, you get the marketing image of Wine Library TV or Daily Grape or Vayner Media, which you work for, yep. um, which makes sense because that's how it should be. You know, when yep. you're going to, when you're going to launch a business, you're not going to, you know, make it crappy. You're, you're going to make it nice and do it right. And so that totally makes sense. And I completely get that. So with my experiment, I wanted to show the raw behind the scenes side live as it's unfolding. Yep. That's really the purpose here is so that you can see where, where am I at today? How did it work today? What worked, what didn't work and start from the ground level up and not just with business, but with my life intermixed with it, because my life is part of my business and who I am and how things work. And so I literally started $10 in a laptop with a $10 bill <laughs> with my laptop and a few other miscellaneous items like, like um, you know, my backpack and some sure. clothes and things like that. And the idea was is if I woke up today and I had nothing and I could not use any of my financial resources, mm-hmm. I could not use any of my existing relationships, I could not use anything that already existed in my life, what would I do and where would I go and how would I build a life in 2011? And the way I would do it is I would start talking to people. I would start connecting with people. I would start interviewing people. I'd start finding out what people are doing that's working and not working. And then I would start applying that to my life as quick as I possibly could. And so that's what $10 in a laptop is. I'm traveling to all 50 states 
And as I go through each state, I'm interviewing and talking to as many entrepreneurs as I can. And out of that, I'm going to upload those interviews to my blog, $10inalaptop.com. Intermixed with those 500 interviews that I'm going to do, I'm also going to share with you my story as I do it day to day and as it unfolds day to day. And I want to see what kind of life and what kind of businesses can I build literally starting from nothing. Where would it go? And that's what this is all about. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's one of these things where, you know, having done the entrepreneurial thing on my own, having do- having done it inside of large companies and, and, you know, knowing the different skill sets that are required and then to sit there and say, you know what, hey, I'm going to not only do it on my own, which is a huge like emotional and, and financial risk, right? Even though with you, it's not so much, but it is in, in a lot of ways, right? Because there's other things that you could be doing that you could be making a lot more money doing, right? Sure. But I mean, so there is a financial risk in the fact that, you know, opportunity costs, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. But that stated, to sit there and say, this is what you're going to do, right? And you say that you're going to do 501 interviews, which I love that number for some reason. I think it's, I think it's (laughs) phenomenal. Um, It just, and then at the same time, chronicle your own experience here. I I just think that it's going to be an amazing, an amazing experience for you to have this. And I think it's going to be one of those things where. You know, when it ends, I worry for someone like you because you're not going to know what's next. Yeah. And, and, and but then again, you seem to have this really great ability to balance very, very quickly where you'll unplug where someone like myself will never do it. Like, you know, and I, yeah. and, and so if you can unplug and you can find that new goal, then you know what? I know that, that a person like you is going to be completely set, Greg. And so, I mean, you know, how did you like? And I hate to like kind of back out to part of the story, which I think you might have touched on, but I think that you, I would love some more color on it. Is how did you get to ten dollars and a laptop? Like, how did you get to that specific number and that like like tool set? Yeah, well, <laughs> I wish I had a great profound answer for that, but the reality is, is that I was sitting there. You know, this is November of two thousand ten, so this is you know late last year. Yep. I'm sitting there thinking what am I going to do next? And it occurs to me that this would be kind of a radical idea and a little bit wild and crazy. And so I thought, well, you know, and so I started talking to friends and say, you know, what would, what could I start with that would people, what could I start with that would take away all barriers, you know, where people would say, now that's starting from nothing basically. Mm-hmm. And, and so we talked and threw around, you know, a thousand bucks, a hundred bucks. And, and it got down to the point where I even said, you know, maybe I should just start with zero dollars. And then, you know, some reasonably logical friends of mine said, well, don't start with zero, you know, start with something. And, and, and so I said, all right, well, why don't we just make it 10 bucks? And then I thought about, you know, what would I take with me? And I thought, well, you know, in today's world, we talk so much about how easy, you know, how the barriers have been taken down and how easy it is to start something. Why don't I just start with my laptop? I mean, I have access to everything Yep. Right there. If I can get Wi-Fi, I can get everything else. Let's just start with my laptop. And so that's, you know, and then, and then it became kind of a clever name, you know, yeah. $10 and a laptop. It's so, catchy. It, it yeah. Really so is. it just worked. You know, it just happened to work and it worked well. And ironically, the interesting thing was, is I started with that $10 bill, but I actually ended up donating that $10. That was my favorite um, part about the start of your story is that you immediately yeah. sat there and you thought about someone else, right? It wasn't, hey, you know, well, I've got... No, actually, immediately I thought about myself and I panicked. And then it occurred to me, if this is going to be, you know, what I really want it to be, it can't be all about me. And so, you know, within the first hour, I was a little bit panicked. I was concerned because I was like, I, I walked out of the door in Seattle, out to downtown Seattle, knowing nothing about Seattle, 
not having connections in Seattle, not knowing where to go in Seattle. And I walked out of the door, I walked downtown and I said, um, this is the stupidest thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That first point of resistance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, where am I going to sleep tonight? This is just crazy. And then I thought, man, I'm hungry and I only have 10 bucks to last me the whole day. So it actually did become all about me. And it became so focused on me that then I finally stopped and realized, you know what? That's not the point. I mean, that's not the point. And so then I recognized, you know what, I could make a bigger difference with that $10 than I could trying to hoard it, you know, and keep it in my own pocket. And plus, it would give me that sense of release or relaxation to just say, it's okay. I'll figure this out. I'll find a way. It'll, it'll unfold as it should. Uh, that's, it's just, it's so interesting that, that, you know, you have that ability to relax in the calm or you know in, in the in the storm right and it's a storm that you created but i think it's one of these traits that doing the research the limited research that i have on you it seems like that's a very clear like identity piece to who you are is yeah, that I, you have that ability I, to really create that sense of calm inside of yourself when everything yeah, else I, is going on i think if i have an advantage um you know which i'm not sure if i do or don't but if i have any advantage it's it's my ability to i have an extremely high stress tolerance okay and i work extremely well in a pressurized situation so um almost robotic like which can almost be to my detriment in some ways um because it lacks the emotional aspects of it sometimes that i think is necessary Mm -hmm. but but yeah, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people have asked me, in fact, I'm going to do a blog post probably this week, maybe next week on how I'm managing my stress, because a lot of people have asked that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I have some basic, simple things that I do, but I think a large part of it is I have had tremendous uh, challenges in my life, yeah. not just including my kidney situation and overcoming that. There's oh. been other areas that have been tremendous challenges. Um, that I've had to overcome that I think multiple businesses comes to mind, but Hey, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And, and I mean, I've gone through some tough times. I mean, I've gone through foreclosure. I've gone through car repossession. I've gone through major issues. You know, I grew up in extreme poverty. Um, you know, so I've gone through some major issues and, and I think that having gone through all that has allowed me to have a very high stress tolerance, which gives me, affords me the ability to, push the envelope, I guess, more than most could or should or would. And, and then find the times when I'm reaching that I recognize it real quick and I address it immediately. Hmm. And that's really key because I, then I don't overstep it. And I always take the time to unplug, to get away from the technology, to get away from, you know, everything else and do some of the basic practical things that allow me to unplug. Sure, sure. So moving the story a bit forward, right? You're no longer in Seattle. That's correct. Where so, are you now and how and where are you staying? What is your situation? Because yeah, I, I well, can feel I you can coming down the West Coast. Yeah, I, I can tell you that it's largely day to day. Talk about being fluid. I have to be so fluid with this project right now because I literally have very little funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, in how I'm getting around and I'm relying on so many people to connect me to other people. But, uh, right now I'm in Portland, Oregon. Um, I've been here for approximately, I want to say 15 days or so, um, maybe slightly longer than that. I traveled all over the Western part of Washington state, um, all the way up from Bellingham, which is close to Vancouver, Canada, all the way through and all the way down here to Portland, Oregon. My next stop, interestingly enough, is Chicago, Illinois. 
how did you get out there? How are you getting well, out there? Well, it, well uh, you know, the universe provides great opportunities. I was invited to SobCon, which is a small online business conference. Okay. Um, and it's in Chicago at the end of this month. And okay. I was invited there and I was gifted an opportunity to attend for free, which is phenomenal. Yep. Um, but then immediately, of course, you know, my excitement turned in. How the hell am I going to get from Portland, Oregon to Chicago, Illinois? Yep. Well, interestingly enough, I made a connection with a um, web developer here um, who is actually moving to Virginia the week before that conference and is willing to allow me to ride share with him in exchange for, you know, driving in the late wee hours uh, sure. when he doesn't want to drive anymore. And he's going to drop me off in Chicago. Wow. That's uh, that, that's incredibly fortunate. It worked out incredibly well, and yet I will say that while you know I have been very fortunate like that on multiple occasions mm -hmm. throughout this journey, I think in large part that is due to to me staying constantly focused on building as many relationships as I can. So you know that is a daily ritual for me is to make sure I'm making connections with people because those you know relationships is I, I say you know the number one skill you can develop. In any time, I don't care if it's, you know, down economy, up economy, technology, you know, manufacturing, whatever, it's building relationships yeah. and making those connections. Uh, and so that's my main focus, and that's how I'm getting around. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, you know, one of the regular listeners to the show are going to know that, you know, I spoke at Ignite Phoenix. Uh, number nine and, and sat there and, and had my entire talk pivot around people are the people who are going to help you. And, yep. and it's, it's so important that you acknowledge that. Right. And especially as a guy who's very much in the same vein as you, right. Not extremely emotionally connected with other people. I can understand the hurdles that you have to overcome in order to build those relationships and make them worthwhile and make people in a lot of respects want to help you as much as you in the end want to help them. Yes. And that's a huge struggle for people who don't aren't innately social, aren't innately thrown into having that emotional connection with people. You don't always have that immediate reaction to immediately want to help. And yes. and so I, I you know very much and that's just one more reason why, you know, all the stars kind of align for lack of a better term here with me wanting to get you on the show and, and there are people who I'm going to connect you with offline that I need to, you know, start to put pe people and places in play for you because I feel like that this is just one of, the, one of the things that I can do to help you because, you know what, yes, you're someone who's followed me. Yes, you're someone who's listened to the show. But at the end of the day, you're also someone who's doing a, a pretty incredible journey who I would love to help. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so like, okay, get him on the show, get him publicized, get do my little small part for the, the you know 100 plus people who will hear this and see who can help you because I know that there are plenty of people who can. No, that that's great. And and that's where it all starts, you know, and, and the thing that I always try to do as well is, you know, create some sort of value exchange. Yep. You know, how, how can I help you? How can you help me? And and by and large, that usually works out for both people yeah. when you when you go into it with that attitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Greg, one of the things I love to do, and you know this because you've listened to the show, is I love to close out every interview with the same question. And that question is, who are Give me three or four people on Twitter whose content you absolutely love that you follow all the time, right? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I love doing this because it's such a great raw question to see who immediately comes top of mind. Yeah, who immediately comes top of mind is um, Umer Haik, who is uh, at U-M-A-I-R-H, I believe. Okay. 
Um, probably no one who I believe gets a better sense of what conscious capitalism and what meaningful business is in today's world than him. Okay. That's a new name for me. I'm excited to like go do some research, follow him up, figure him out. I would definitely put him at the top of my list. I would also say SCAP5, S-K-A-P, the number five. Okay. um, Who is Saul Coplin, who runs the Business Innovation Factory out of uh, Providence. Um, who just, you know, blows my mind with the stuff that he talks about and thinks of and brings up. Um, another one of my favorites is Amy Jo Martin, who uh-huh. used to formerly be known as Digital Royalty. Yep. Um, I've been following the, the rise of Digital Royalty the last two years, and I, there's, prob- there's probably no greater fan than me to see her and her company do well. And, and I just love what she's been able to do in the digital space and, and with branding, et cetera. She's worked very, very hard behind the scenes, which I don't think a lot of people give her credit for in this space. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's been absolutely incredible what she's been able to produce. I'm very, very, very impressed with what she's done. Um, I would say another one of my favorites is Ali J. Smith. A-L-L-I-E, Jay Smith, okay. who, who's a young college student who could not have more passion and fire to make something of her life and what she's doing. You know, I love interesting people yep. more than anything else, and she is just a very interesting person um, who I, I love following on Twitter. Um, another one of my favorites is O Docta. Yeah, good old O and JJ Stone, <laughs> who just again is an extremely interesting, fun person, you yeah. know, and that I can learn a lot from and yeah. enjoy, and just you know, funny tweets, fun stuff, you know. You want to talk about a guy who doesn't take himself seriously but takes business seriously? Yes. Oh my goodness, the O Docta will come in and drop a knowledge bomb on you, and you won't expect it. It's good fun. Yeah. Oh, he, he's amazing because he's very deceptive. You, you don't think maybe he's paying attention, but he's paying attention very absolutely, closely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's an amazing list of folks. And I know that you are, you know, as, as we stated in that last little segment, right, you, you strive to find relationships that are meaningful. And you do so in a big way. So I'm sure your list could go on and on and on. Oh, yeah. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. And like I said, you know, I'm listening all the time. So I'm glad I could be a part of it. Well, there's my interview with Greg. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please follow him up on Twitter. That's at Greg Hartle. Read his blog, $10andalaptop.com. And if you think that you can help him as he's running around the country over the course of the next year or so, uh, you know, do so. Reach out to him. I would love for him to see a bump after being on the show about people offering him, you know, be it a bed, be it, uh, you know, a meal, whatever it is that you can make happen. Please, please do, because I think that what he's doing is pretty damn interesting. So, guys, you know, I'm now here in New York. I'm settled in Brooklyn, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happily working incredibly hard at VaynerMedia during the day. Um, and so uh, just, you know, kind of settling into life, but I'm extremely excited about the set of interviews that I have coming up. So uh, keep listening to the show. Thank you so much for doing so. Thank you so much for the at replies and, and the continuing interest in the show. I wouldn't do it if, if no one was listening. I'll be completely honest. Um, but uh, it's definitely special to see that uh, even when I take even three weeks off that you guys are reaching out to me to make sure everything's okay and that uh, I'm doing well. So, uh, you know, thank you again, and uh, I look forward to having you listen to next week's episode. Bye for now.